I had a cross-reference um, to add from James 3, uh, 15 and 17. 15, uh, the wisdom that does not come from above, and then 17 when you mentioned it being reasonable to the believer, but unreasonable to the unbeliever. It, also, along with Ecclesiastes 10, what you went to <clears throat> under reasonable um, about foolishness, First uh, Corinthians 1, 18-25. Okay, First Corinthians 1, 18-25. And actually for this subject and this, this doctrine of what true wisdom is, First Corinthians chapters 1-4. to 4. 1 Corinthians chapters 1 to 4, or specifically 110 to 421. 1 Corinthians 110 to 421. In order to deal with the disorder or conflict, bitter jealousy in the Corinthian church, he's preaching true wisdom in contrast to false wisdom. That's what he's doing in 1 Corinthians chapters 1 to 4. So thank you. 118 to 25. Um, there are many parts here. But we'll read this and then maybe a few excerpts from the rest of it, okay? 118 of 1 Corinthians. For the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. One thirty, verse 30 says, But by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Even 31, that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. How about in the way that we preach? Why is it that we stick to the cross or the word of the cross or to the Bible, the word of truth? Why do we stick to the Bible? It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. And when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. That's why we preach the word of the cross, Christ Jesus and him crucified, because the wisdom of men will not save anybody. Only the Spirit and the power of God through the Word of God will save anybody. Yes, he says, not superiority of speech or of wisdom. Uh, it has been said 
it has been said to yours truly and to another brother that if you would just had enough charm and winsomeness, the, the church would be better. You need, to, you need to check on your charm and winsomeness. And yet, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible, he, it, it says the opposite. And in fact, the Apostle Paul was criticized in 2 Corinthians 10.10 on this matter. 2 Corinthians 10.10, For they say, His letters are weighty and strong, but His personal presence is unimpressive, and His speech contemptible. His speech contemptible. 2 Corinthians 11.6, But even if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. Okay, now you had another passage? Uh, no, just this one. Okay. I was going to say, I just noticed when you were reading it, <clears throat> 120 also is a good parallel to James 3.13 when it raises the question, who among you is wise? Yes. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe to the banner of the age? Yes, yes. Yes, and more evidence that James and Paul agree with each other because just those who distort the scripture are finding ways to make Paul and James disagree with each other and contradict each other. And Paul contradict Moses and Jesus contradict John and so forth. But we can't do that. Yes? But if you used a little more cleverness of speech and a little more gentleness, you might have more chaff sitting in the seats with the wheat. <laughs> if we did have more cleverness and more, what you say? Gentleness. More gentleness, then we might have more chaff in the seats with the wheat. Yes, yes. But that's the point of preaching the truth. It purges the audience. It purges the hearers. It purges those who have a humble heart, a new heart in Christ. It purges them because they're still fighting the flesh and helping each other fight the flesh. But then those who cannot tolerate it, when the word is plain spoken, then those who can't tolerate it, they may only come for one visit. And sometimes they'll stay for a few months, maybe a few weeks, a few months. But usually they cannot last longer than a year or two. Finally, it's so disgusting to them that their rage and hatred toward the preaching of the word manifests itself against the preacher and they vomit all kinds of vile things and walk away after creating a big storm and then they walk away. That's often the way it happens. Not every time. Some of them walk away quietly and you wonder where did they go? What happened? And you have to run after them and ask, well, well, what happened? And sometimes we get the answer, sometimes we don't. But usually, but just think about the approach. Do you think that Isaiah, (laughs) Isaiah took the approach of the modern man. When Isaiah's, in Isaiah chapter 1, who in the world, who in the world, Isaiah 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way through to the first five chapters and elsewhere in the book of Isaiah, the way Jeremiah starts his prophecy, the way Nahum starts his prophecy, the way Malachi starts his prophecy, name anybody. The way that they start, they're not starting on the premise, let me see how, can I, how I can be the most winsome, 
the most charming, the most flattering, the most eloquent, have the superiority of speech to woo and convince my audience. They're not taking that approach. Not even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took that approach. What were his first public words? Matthew 4, 17. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Quote, unquote. That's it, right there. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, wait a minute. Why do I have to repent? Repent means I'm a sinner. You're accusing me of being a sinner? Yes, sir. And the kingdom of God is at hand, or kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's near. You better repent now. Not tomorrow, right now. Repent. So that's the way Jesus was. Take any of his discourses. Any of his discourses, and he tells it like it is. And then when his enemies don't like it, and they accuse him, does he let up? No. No. <laughs> he turns the screws even tighter. When they say, no, no, we don't like what you're saying. He turns the screws even tighter. When his disciples came to him, he had offended the Pharisees, and his disciples said, then the disciples came and said to him, this is Matthew fifteen twelve. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this statement? 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father did not plant shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. That's how he answered his disciples. And someone may say, Well, he didn't say it straight to their face. Yes, he did. Luke, Luke 11. Luke 11, when he denounced the Pharisees, Luke 11, 37 to 54, Luke 11, 37 to 54, in the middle of this denunciation of the Pharisees, it says, we pick it up at 1145, and one of the lawyers said to him in reply, teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. But he said, woe to you lawyers as well. There's an exclamation in my translation. Exclamation. That means that Jesus raised his voice to say this. He had some intensity when he said this to the lawyers. Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. Consequently, you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers because it was they who killed them and you build their tombs. For this reason, also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles and some of them they will kill and some they will persecute in order that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Woe to you, lawyers! For you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. And when he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. Now today, not just today, but we know today from our own experience people will say Jesus was unsuccessful. He didn't take the right approach. Jesus didn't use winsome and charm. He didn't use, he didn't use eloquence. We can't do it like Jesus did. Which would mean that's an implication that Jesus sinned. No, he didn't sin. No. 
So we shouldn't use the term whitewashed tombs or den of uh, vipers. Well, yeah, they'll say we can't use that. But Jesus said to Peter, when Peter was wrong, first he was right, yeah. and immediately he's wrong in Matthew 16. And when he was wrong, when he was right, he commended him. But when he was wrong, he said, get behind me, Satan. Matthew 16, 23. It is what it is. Just say it what it is. If it's, a, if it's a beautiful rose, call it a beautiful rose. But if it's um, the carcass of a mouse, then call it the carcass of a mouse. It is what it is. So just call it and then deal with it. That's what we have to do with spiritual things.